Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters. I am joined by Carl Benjamin. Hello. And Dan. Hello, boys and girls. For those who need to know the day, like me, it's Tuesday the 5th of December. You clearly didn't need to know it then. I did. I had to look it up. Oh, okay. Did, did anyone really else helped. do that or just... No, it's no, just, just, you. just me for the right. viewers of the podcast, yeah. It, it really helps people like me who work two days a week because otherwise I genuinely don't know what day of the week it is. So you see that thing in front of you? That's, um, it's, it's got a little thing in the bottom right. Yeah, it, it used to have a banner at the top of the bloody notes as well. Okay, I mean, I mean that clock thing there. You know the click on it? Wow. Okay, all right. Well, we'll right. figure out time another time. Anyway, but today we are talking about the fact that nobody panics even when the plan is horrifying, which is a title I very much like. And also the worst thing ever and creative disassembly, which mm. I, we haven't done a video game segment in a while. No, it's been a while and I've got a lot to say about creative assembly, so yeah. that's good. We've got it's knives in our pockets. So. Yeah. Stab the... Anyway, so today we uh, will start, because I have no announcements, with the plan. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the time of the year when the Conservatives stab you in the back. Ah, Britain. Britain, <laughs> <laughs> I'm home. Because you, you may have noticed in the news recently, the Conservatives are like, hey, we're going to do something about immigration. It's like, really? That's only because you absolutely ruined the country with even more immigration than Tony Blair could ever have dreamed of. So I honestly don't believe this at all. So it's, you, No, no, no. You... you you can believe this, right? Well, like Santa. No, no, you absolutely can. It's just the plan is even more horrifying than you can imagine, right? Right. Trust me on this. So right. let's uh, let's just begin with the census, right? So it turned out that in 2021 or 2022, when we actually got the census, uh, roughly 15 million non-English or Welsh people living in England and Wales, uh, most of them will have come in because of the Conservatives. Uh, because, of course, at that point, it had been, what, 11, 12 years of well conservative rule? Well over 60%. Rule. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, 11 years of conservative rule. Just immigration go brr. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. Don't know why. Uh, go sign up to com, by the way, which is where I publish this, because, of course, there's a lot of work. Go and support us. £5 a month, because, of course, we're demonetized. Thank you very much, YouTube, for talking about such subjects. But So I thought I'd just have a look at some stuff. See figure four there? Home office composition by business area, migration and borders, 80% of what the home office does. That, that's what they do? Yes, they're rubber stamping thousands of people every day. So I, I would expect to be able to see like police, MI5, prisons, that sort of thing. But Homeland Security is there. It's just about 3% of what they do is Homeland Security. I thought, that, I thought that was Public like safety. Most- about another four or five percent corporate and support. I don't even know what that is, but that's that's about twelve percent, right? Well, yeah, whatever, right? But that that's probably what the home uh, the home office is supposed to do in a normal political environment. Migration and borders nearly about seventy eight percent, seventy nine percent, right? That's all they do. So if you were a conservative government, you come and be like, okay, we we're going to reduce immigration, you would just de-staff that area of the home office. You would just defund the Home Office by about 80%, and then that would be the problem solved. You probably want the borders bit, but not the migration bit. Sure, but like border security or homeland security, maybe, you know, okay, but... What what percentage of the staff of migration and borders are borders? By 75% or whatever, you know, like, so you've got like a much more slim office there. So I remember David Cameron came up with the idea of splitting the Home Office out into a a borders department and then the Home Office. And there was furious pushback from the Home Office. And I understand why now. Yeah. Because if you take that bit out, basically they, they, they would rank slightly lower than the Department for Paperclips. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> oh, that's funny because it's true. Yeah. Yes. Legitimately. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's probably correct. But uh, anyway, let's get on to the number of people. So we know that there are about 15 million. We also know that there are at least about a million illegals, and this was in 2017. God only knows what that estimate is now. This is Pew estimating that back then. Of course, we have had 100,000 channel invaders, and everyone is unhappy, right? Everyone is really unhappy. This is the most recent Ipsos polls. As you can see, the conservatives are about to get shellacked in, as the Americans say, in the next election, which will be next year, which is good because everyone's pissed off. Everyone is just pissed off with how the country's going. Look at the optimism index. Like every every time you see a, a, a red line going up, that's bad, right? That's bad for everyone. But the thing is, no one thinks anything's going to get any better because do people like Keir Starmer? No, they don't bloody like Keir Starmer. Yeah, his unfavorability oh, wow. is going up just as much as the guy in charge. Yeah, exactly. Somehow, he's almost as unfavorable as the guy who's ruined the country, right? So no one, no one is satisfied. Just deep dissatisfaction with everything. Everyone's like, why is the country being run like this? <laughs> and it's going to get even worse. This is extra. I mean, this, this is the yeah. moment that if there was a third party with any flair or skill or panache whatsoever, yeah. I mean, even a, a competently run monster raving loony party could at this point sweep the board. Yeah, unbelievably, Lord Buckethead isn't 10 points ahead in the polls. Anyway, everyone's unhappy because, of course, under Cameron, uh, under, sorry, yeah, Cameron and then moving on, migration went berserk, right? This, obviously, we know that last year the net migration, which is migration after the people leaving is removed, was 745,000. Now, actual total gross migration was 1.2 million. Yeah, I, I really hate the net thing because it's like if we make yeah. our own people so depressed that they but, flee. No, no, no. That's not even the problem, right? So the number of Britons who leave is only about 80,000 a year, right? Uh, so actually, that's about 600,000 foreigners who are like, hmm, the UK's going down. I'm out. Right. So when even the Polish are like, screw this. I'm not, it's I'm not, not dealing with this. Well, no, it's, it's not even mostly the Polish. It's mostly just, the, you know, the non-EU. Like, oh, oh. They come here for a period of time. They make a bunch of money. They send it back home and then they just piss off because we're just being used as sort of a global way station. I like how in that exchange just now, every time I was pessimistic, you were like, no, no, no. no it's You're worse. not pessimistic. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it worse. Is, it is worse. It is just worse. And in the meantime, you get about a 1% replacement rate per year. Uh, what do you mean exactly? Because if you look at the demographics, you have the English people. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. The, yes, you do. Um, but also because you've brought in 15 million new foreigners and the land of Britain has not changed, yeah. that means that they have to go somewhere. And if you, I, I didn't get the map for this one, but if you pull up the map, you would just see it like a cancer. In fact, in London and across the Midlands, spreading outwards to the rest mm. of the country. That being rental prices. Well, yeah. And just the places where the English no longer live in England, basically. Um, and we, we've got a breakdown of this, um, just quoting from here. In the year ending June 2023, the top five non-EU nationalities for immigration flows were Indian, Nigerian, Chinese, and Pakistani, and Ukrainian. Uh, Ukrainians actually having a legitimate cause because they were invaded by Russia. Uh, India... But they did have to move across several nations to get to us. Sure, but I can, I can understand that... The, they at least have something. Yeah, th that's the thing, right? They are the, the least concern of mine because at least they can say, well, look, we're not letting our men leave because we're fighting a war and we need somewhere for our women and children to go. And the British government goes, yes, we'll help the women and children of Ukraine. Okay, fine. I'm totally okay with that. 
that's completely above board. Why a quarter of a million Indians arriving that year? Yeah. Why 140,000 Nigerians? Why 90,000 Chinese? 55,000 Pakistanis? Why are they coming? You know, yeah. It's just because we're wide open. Well, I suppose I should mention now, we were looking at the different visas you can get for coming to the UK. And one of them that seems to be new is the Young Indian Professional Visa, which I presume was set up recently, is how I can politely discuss this. Yes. And um, the requirements are to be an Indian between 18 and 30 and have a bachelor degree and a savings of £2,500. And that means you can come to the UK for two years and they can, you can renew that visa every two years because you have a savings of £2,500. So you years. told me about this before we came on air and I misheard you and thought that that two and a half grand was to cover you for two months. And I said, well, actually, that's not too bad. But no, it's two years. We literally have open borders with every Indian who can get a bachelor's degree. That's what that is. Yes. And I'm sure Indian universities are very... Uh... Rigorous. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so as you can see here, um, this is net migration uh, over the past like 10 years or so. Right? And there's something happened... Uh, In the 2020s? It, uh, yeah, exactly. Just after, for some reason, the COVID pandemic hit, we left the European Union and the Conservatives were like, great non-EU migration, please. Because as you can see, like the blue one is the British net migration, which I love about this, is that they actually have so the native British leaving or coming into Britain. So as you can see, there was actually a net inflow of native Brits coming back to Britain. But as you can see, the outflow has been about 80,000 a year. But, but what's going on here? But that, that wasn't the bloody pitch. Yeah. Weird, weird. The, the, the pitch of Brexit wasn't, let's get as many Indians and Pakistanis and Chinese into the country as we can. It was on the bus. Yeah. And, it was, and it was Boris who was in at the time. And, and yes. Boris was like the leader of the Brexit thing. And he yeah. was going up on stage saying, oh, we can lower migration. Yeah. And yet the moment he gets his hands on power, it's just like... <laughs> it's, it's almost comical. Just it's, funnel them in. Why do you think I called this a Joker segment, right? It, like, yeah, it, no one panics even when the plan's horrible. Like, this, if this is the plan... Literally get it up to seven hundred and fifty thousand, which Tony Blair yeah. would never have thought of doing. We'll get into no. that. Because I was on holiday when these figures came out, so I kind of missed that news cycle. And I heard it was bad, but like this is just absurd. Going back to the eighty percent of Home Office staff whose job is literally to get tennis elbows rubber stamping <laughs> all day, every day, just stamp, 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 stamp. Like I, I can't even imagine how unbelievably busy they must have been to get that number of people into the country. Like, and that's, again, that's 1.2 million. Right. So they're just like all day, every day. Just, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just print them automatically these days. Mental. Or just download the QR code from anywhere on earth. Yeah. You know, here's your visa. Yeah. Could you imagine that being on the big red bus, though? So we get 500,000 foreigners a year from Europe. Let's get 3 million from anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so unbelievably preposterous. And so, finally, with the Conservatives at the lowest nadir that they've ever been in the polls, and with the worst election defeat looming next year, they're like, we're going to do something. And that something is going to be really, really unimpressive, right? Because, again, they're the ones who have made this problem. Like, this problem actually, I mean, the problem did exist before them. But the problem was about a net of 300,000 a year, which, of course, was slowly destroying the country. The Conservatives were like, yeah, but that's way too slow. Actually, we need to go full accelerationist and properly smash this country into pieces. To be fair, the Tories do this every 18 months. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just shocking. But this is, 
this is how stabbed in the back you're about to get, right? right. So what they're like, right, okay, James Cleverly's coming in and they're like, okay, guys, we're going to fix immigration. It's like, oh, what are you going to do, James? We're going to increase the minimum salary needed for overskilled workers to 38000 from 26000 It's like, okay, fine. Okay, so that, that probably right. slightly exceeds inflation. Possibly. Slightly. But it, Okay, that's at least some kind of barrier, it sounds like, right? Okay. We're going to ban healthcare workers from bringing family dependents to the UK. We're going to end companies being able to pay workers 20% less than the going rate for jobs on an occupation shortage list. Okay. We're going to increase the annual charge for foreign workers that, for foreign workers to pay use, to use the NHS to, from 600 to 24 to 1,000 pounds. Okay. And of course, a couple of other small things, right? And so this, they think, will cut migration by 300,000. It's like, oh, that's so great, James, because you literally increased it by 600,000. So they're kind of twice as bad as it used to be. That's my promise. Yeah, we made it three times as bad as it was, but now it's only going to be twice as bad as it was. That's right, we're conservatives. (laughs) Just, what is wrong with these people? Like, no, James, you, you say, right, what we're going to do is we're going to deport everyone who arrived here since, say, 2015. You know? <laughs> so, so the actual purpose of the Conservatives is to gold plate every left-wing advance. Yes. But they've gone further than the left. Yeah, they've gone way yeah. further. But they went too far, and so they're going to scale it yes. back so it's only twice as bad rather than three times as bad. That's the plan, right? Brilliant. Just to, be, uh, just to remind ourselves how bad immigration was on the Labour. And you know what? I thought this was bad. I thought this was catastrophic about 10 years ago, right? Because, I mean, it reached 250K net under Labour. So it was about 500K in in one year, which is... Yeah, I mean, it was catastrophic yeah. on the road. Yeah, that is... The health is, service, yeah. the schools, the, everything yeah. that matters in life. Yeah, exactly. That, that was terrible. Like, house prices, you know, everything. Yeah. It was catastrophic. And the Conservatives were like, yeah, well, you've seen nothing. We're, <laughs> 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 we're going to yeah. triple it. And then we're going to reduce it by 300,000. So it's still 445,000 net. To be fair, they're going to triple it and then say that they're going to reduce it by 300. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. They haven't done any of these things. Let's assume that they will do this, which I realize is a silly assumption, right? But that's still basically twice as much as labor at their highest, right? And so it's just like, wow, I just can't imagine how much deeper the dagger in my back can get. Um, but then, okay, so great. That's, that's wonderful. Um, what are you going to do about people like this, right? D- does she earn 40 grand a year? No, of course she bloody doesn't. Oh, she She's a benefit it. cheat. Yeah, she, <laughs> no, she claimed probably more than that. But she, th- this is Sabah Mahoud. How she came to be in this country, I don't know, right? She's a benefit fraud criminal. Uh, she has committed benefit frauds of over 100,000 pounds. Uh, she sends much of the money back to Pakistan. She's mil- milked the system for 10 years. She's got eight children. And she's still in this country. Like, why don't you just deport her? Well, you can see that they charged her with the crime of benefit fraud and then decided no jail time. Yes. They gave her a 16 months jail sentence, but it's suspended for 18 months, meaning she yep. will never go to prison <clears throat> unless she breaks the law within those 18 months. And then it's just forgotten yep. about. Don't and, J- and James is like, yeah, but we're not going to get people who earn 35,000 pounds a year coming into the country. It's like, James, well, what's the point of that <coughs> trial? Because that trial probably cost another hundred grand in, if not more, yeah, court fees. Yeah, to decide we're not going to punish her. Yeah, it, it would have been easier just to give her another hundred grand and said, "Right, quit." Yeah. Do you think she was earning twenty six? No, 
Of course not. How did she arrive here? Who knows? Who cares? Right? She's not going to be removed. She's just going to keep using your tax money. She's going to be given it forever because the conservatives have, for some reason, not got the balls to say, hang on a second. Hmm. These foreign benefit fraud claimants who keep sending our tax money back to Pakistan, maybe they should just get the hell out. Like, just instant deportation. Should have been just a no-brainer on this. Yes, you. Gone. Next. <laughs> the next one. Immigration it, go burr. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> 600,000 of them leave every year anyway. She's probably going to leave at some point. She's just, she's just here while the money is flowing to stop the money flowing. That's the only reason. And uh, here's, a, here's a great one. Uh, a Somali TikToker responding to David Vance. Why do Somalis claim asylum in the UK and then return to Somalia on holiday? And she's just like, ah, you're not allowed to ask too many questions. It's because they know. They know. They know that they are scamming us. They all know they are scamming us. They know it. They know it. They know it. God damn it, they know it. And the conservatives are just like, yeah, well, as long as they're not earning less than 38000 a year, anyone come to them? How, are, how is this scammer here? But, but they won't all of these scammers force that anyway. I mean, they just they put it on a form, and there and there would be something like, "Are you earning more than thirty eight thousand a year?" And they tick yes. Yeah, undoubtedly that's yeah. what it's going to be like. But the point is, it'll nothing the conservatives will do will actually get rid of these actual scammers who are currently here scamming us of our money. But I'm actually far less bothered about immigrants who earn forty grand a year coming here or twenty six grand a year. At least they earn money. Yeah. At least they earn some goddamn money. You know, I mean, I, I mean, this person is literally just stealing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like the previous person, literally just stealing it. And just like this guy, literally just stealing it. And then putting up TikTok videos of him pouring your money on his paid taxpayer paid for hotel floor. Is that some just, yeah, 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 asylum just, hotel? Just some random, you know, channel migrant. Just like nothing James Cleverly or the Conservative Party will do will address any of these issues. And these are the ones who are actually costing us money. Like, uh, uh, there are many levels to the immigration problem, right? There's, <laughs> there's the, the, the sort of high level, okay, you know, letting millions of people in has done severe damage to the culture. And then you've got, like, it goes all the way down to there are a bunch of actual scammers who are scamming us and laughing in our faces as they scam us and can't believe how effing stupid we are. And actually, I can't believe how effing stupid we yeah, are. Yeah, I know. Right? It's, it's really difficult to imagine, isn't it? No, like, literally mocking us. Right. And so the conservatives know nothing about this. They've made the problem way worse. And these people are basically here for life, it seems. Yes. But there seems to be no like time scale. How long, like for example, our little um, hotel full of migrants, again, booked up in, for the indefinite future. For three years already, they've been scamming us. So yeah. So, like, are they Another just, 10 years? They're just going to scam us for the rest of their lives. I mean, these people are going to be old men, like still hanging outside of that migrant hotel. So at least they'll be harassing less children at that point, I imagine. But anyway, so Rishi Sanak was like, well, we've just announced the biggest cut ever in net migration. It's like, great, but you were the responsible party for the biggest increase in net migration ever. So the cut get, isn't real. Get community noted. It's actually not a cut. It's still a net increase. You effing liars. But he hasn't even made the cut. This is the thing. He hasn't actually done anything. Yeah. All he's done is made an announcement. Yes. The level of net migration is too high and it has to change. Well, why is it too high after 13 years of conservative government? If only there was someone in power who could have done something. I hate that they govern like they're in opposition. I just can't stand it. But it's... <laughs> Bro literally cooed the government to do nothing. Yeah. Why? What was the point? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just... what, 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 what did he change? He cooed the leader who was elected by at least his own party to do zero. I think it's because he really, really hates the idea of the indigenous British population paying fewer taxes. Because literally all this trust was running on. 
Yeah. I'm going to cut your taxes and we're going to get some economic growth. And Rishi Sunak's like, not on my watch. Ugh. Time to coup the government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, why? We think of every coup in history, like every other African dictator has taken over for at least a reason. But this dude literally took over the UK to just kind of... To make sure we keep paying high taxes. What a motive. And the thing is... If you wrote a movie, people would say the motive doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) That that is totally true. But the thing is, like, they'll say things like, well, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, net migration is economic growth. It's like, okay, but you've had unbelievable migration and we're having zero economic growth. Well, yeah. Where's the the correlation? I I know in theory it is because the, the... Oh, the bloody officer statistics or whatever it is, the planning people. Yeah. They basically take GDP per capita and then they say, okay, well, we increase the capita and therefore we increase the GDP. It doesn't actually work like that. Though. Yeah, it doesn't actually work like that because they're not factoring in people like this chap yeah. who is just getting a bunch of free money. And like, sorry, he's a person that is in your statistics, but he's not actually producing anything. He's oh, not earning anything. But he is spending money. I guess technically he is. Like, what, 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 what it does do is that when they uh, bring those people in, is that they can say, therefore, our long-term projections go up, and then they borrow against it. Yeah. So he is increasing the borrowing that the UK government can do. Amazing. He, so he's literally putting us in further debt. Yes. So, <laughs> the, 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 of course he is. And the thing is, of course, all of these channel, like the, the channel migrants themselves, just the channel migrants, cost us, what was it, three billion a year? Yeah, five million a day. Yeah. So that's, that's just the 100,000. Now, I mean, what, what, what about, what about people like this who are just scamming, right? Yeah. What about people like this who are just literally just scamming? Who, who knows how much these people are costing us, right? Yeah. This is just a black hole of money that we're pouring into the pockets of ungrateful foreigners. And Rishi Sunak's like, no, that's got to have. Oh, by the way, that we're, we're going to change the level of migration. And then you get like just conservative MPs who say things like, oh, vote for us because Labour are going to be returned to open door immigration. I quite like this. Right. Uh, We're not going to let Sikama, uh, uh, Keir Starmer, wreck our economy. We're going to do that. (laughs) We're not going to let him return to open door immigration. We're going to do that. Basically, everything on drive out urban employment. Yeah. Basically, this is a list of things we're not going to let Labour do. We want to do it. We're way ahead of Labour. We can do it better. Exactly. And and the thing is, they're kind of right, right? Labour didn't wreck the country to the extent the Conservatives have done it. Um, and well, it, no, they, wrecked, they did wreck the country by the standards of what we thought wrecking was, but, but sure, the toys sure. have just redefined. Yeah. Um, you can imagine what the replies to things like this have been. Just, just, uh, just graphs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People <laughs> just not, not having... Uh, vote for us. We'll stab you. That guy over there, he yeah. wants to break your arms. But, uh, but Labour are it's actually... Like, it's a bit like voting for Alien versus Predator to babysit, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it really is. Yeah. Like, just no. Yeah. But, uh, but Labour are, in a way, capitalizing on this. They say, they say Labour would limit annual migration uh, to 200,000 a year. <laughs> Net migration, 200,000, right? Darren Jones, the shadow chief secretary to the Treasury, said he believed the party would seek to return net migration to, quote, normal levels, right? He says this, quote, the normal level of net migration is a couple of hundred thousand a year. The normal level. The normal level. Normal for who? Normal for Tony Blair. Right. Normal for the 21st century, I guess. So it? I'm not actually completely against migration because every so often there will actually be somebody who can add something, right? Sure. So what about, but what about net migration of zero? But like every time, so we, we got some South Korean electrical engineer we need to bring in. Fine. Find some benefit sheet to chuck out. No, I would say net migration needs to be about minus 300,000 a year. 
Mm. Because there are too many of these benefit cheats and just absolute hangers on. I do love who have been let into the country. I do love that this is literally Yuri Bezbolov over here. Destabilization, yeah. crisis, and now normalization. Absolutely. Of crisis. Yes. Mm. The, the normal level is a couple of hundred thousand a year. It's like, oh my God. We are so doomed. Yes. Actual hell. Yeah, I know. Are you going to cheers up, Callum? Um, well, I thought we'd just go into some fun, I suppose, which is the response to all that, which I think right. has been quite the laugh. Now, to remind everyone, we are now living in uh, a time in which we must force everyone to live in the UK by force. <laughs> <laughs> we... <laughs> by my plan, by 2050, every single human being on Earth will be living in Brighton Wait. in a massive meatball. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Conservative MP to campaign on this issue, as you can see. He's quite proud of his graph, oh, which yeah. is showing, of course, that there used to be normal British migration, and then, you know, the post no, period. Negative. Yeah. It used to be emigration. And then it was fairly normal for the 80s, you know, when things were good in yeah. this country. Yeah. And then, like, the 90s happened, and then something happened. And then you got a crisis. And now it's just been madness. Wait, so you, you can consistently run at somewhere around the minus 50,000 a year you know, for decades. You know yes. when we had that giant world-spanning empire that kept winning wars? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when we had net emigration. And when we lost that, now we're a sad island that well, can no, barely afford the heat. We, we had outflows into the, into the mid-80s. Yeah. yeah. This is the context that's never really provided. You may remember a lot of graphs from the BBC sort of start around about 2000s because yeah. they want you to think that's normal. That's the normalization process there. It's not. And the problem with the UK is not one of even crime or financial effects of mass migration making life worse for the natives. I mean, that's, they are bad things. Those are just extras. Oh. The, the real problem for the UK is, those of are course... just features. Yeah. The real problem is civilizational. I mean, the fact that you can no longer buy a house is bad. But even if you could, there is literally, if you roll the dice, a 0% chance that by the time you're retiring, that that place will still be an English neighborhood that you moved into. It will have gone. And, and just as a quick thing here, let's, let's just admire the hood spot of Neil O'Brien here. Be like, yeah, so the conservatives have done the worst on immigration that has ever been done historically. I'm just going to tweet that graph out. I'm personally going to tweet out the catastrophic failure and betrayal of the Conservatives to the British people and be like, yeah, vote for us. Oh, you know, as long as the PM does something, trust me. It's unbelievable that you would show this graph in public. Yeah. Like, it's on your Twitter feed, Neil. But I still stand by my policy before we go forward that the actual fixing of the country could be done in one fell swoop, which is women only. And you will actually fix every single issue, all those extras, you know, the crime stuff that literally disappears overnight. Yeah. And also the visible numbers, um, half immediately and then go lower than half because the women usually come with their men, in which case we actually do return to the emigration situation. But the inflow is just women. And we're good feminists. And yeah, we can get the feminists on board. But you, we went over, the conservatives came out and said, we're going to do a thing. And the thing they said they're going to do, and this is where I want to focus, is they said they're going to change if you want a skilled workers visa. You used to have to earn £26,200. Isn't that much for a skilled worker, I would have thought. And uh, they say they're increasing that to £38,700. And a lot of people think, okay, you know, this thing. To be fair, but, what, what, what are you skilled in? I mean, presumably turning up to work and not crapping yourself. I mean, what well, does it matter? If you're worth so much money, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're actually producing that much wealth. And, um, yeah. But the question becomes, I mean, is that actually a level that's skilled? Because we can just look at the inflation rate 
Because, of course, back when this bill was passed and it was set at 28K. Oh, really? Today, 28K back when this bill was passed is actually 34. So we're 4,000 out from this being exactly the same as it was in 2019, sorry, 2020. Oh, God, I can just feel so, the knife just digging deeper from the Tory betrayal. Just this I, is so much worse. But keep I, in I, mind, I know I talk about inflation a lot, but it even shocks me. January 2020 to now, the value of 34K has gone down to 26. Yeah, so keep in mind as well, we still have four months to go, or five months, until this change even turns into effect because it's in yeah. spring. It comes in. So that's another four months. So actually, we will probably be worse off. It'll actually be easier to get to the country than before because the 38 grand cap is actually like 25 before. So do keep that in mind. I, I'm so glad I've got a large mortgage, which is being debased by this inflation. But I, what I love about this is like the Tories like, yeah, we're going to we're gonna make it harder for get people to get in. Actually, it becomes easier. We're going to get fewer <laughs> people in this. And actually, no, it's still going to be uh, essentially double of what it was before. It's just like everything is a lie. Everything they're yes. saying is a lie. And you might think, okay, well, at least um, wages aren't growing that much. So even if the inflation happens, it's well, not quite. I mean, here's the weekly uh, earnings in the United Kingdom. And you can go check out the data yourself on, from the ONS, in which they say that 23.7% increase in wages in that same time period. So we're looking at an average pay cut of about 5.2% for most people in this country over that time period. So it is slightly slowed down compared to inflation, but not by much. And, and the reason those figures are like that is because the public sector got a big pay increase. Um, yes. So when you average it out, it's, it's a lot worse if you're in the private sector. But not everyone got that pay increase. We'll get back to that. But one day everyone's going to work for the NHS, so it'll be okay. <laughs> in Brighton. Yeah, the in Brighton. World in the meat Work for the yeah. NHS in Brighton. But here's uh, <laughs> just, just uh, before we go forward, so we have something in our minds. So the median full-time income is £32,700, according to the ONS, for April 2023. Now, of course, that inflation rate is... is so it's hard to tell what that is now, by, especially by April 2024. Yeah. But the point being, that increase is not really real. Like, it's just the money terms. It's actually not really a change. In fact, it may be better off for people trying to come here than before. And this is one of the big issues, of course, that comes to wage stagnation, which is you're bringing mass numbers of people. Yep. And uh, coincidentally, this is according to The Guardian here, a far-right outlet, uh, that says that since 2015, uh, the average worker in the UK is 11 grand worse off a year because for some reason, something happened in the 1990s and ever since has been unprecedented wage stagnation. We are still investigating, but for some reason, we haven't found out the cause. I swear to God, I'm going to put that on a T-shirt just with the immigration graph. Something happened. Something happened in 1997. And this is where we get to the responses to this news, which I think are the really funniest thing to come out of all of this. Because, of course, those people don't know what an inflation calculator is. Uh, they don't know what a percentage point is. So they don't know anything about wages. They're just, they're just living their lives, mostly academics. And, uh, well, we can see them, such as Sadiq Khan over here, who decided to respond to this by closing off his comments. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't talk back to the dear leader. Uh, he says that one of the reasons London is the greatest city in the world, oh, come on, <laughs> come on, at least try, uh, is because of successive generations of immigrants. Yes. Uh, if it wasn't for the immigrants, London would suck. Yeah, people would. Yeah, in, in, in 1880s, <laughs> I mean, London was just, you know, some just some second-rate backwater. In the it? 1970s. Yeah. You know, like... It... <sighs> Whereas now, everyone loves London. <laughs> just, well, no one ever wants to visit it if they I, can. I love this. This latest wrong-headed attack on migration from the Tories will only harm our city and country economically, culturally, and socially. Oh, 
almost Please. everyone I know in London has moved out. But also, also Sadiq Khan's, if we can't have 750,000 nets and only 445,000 nets, then that's London destroyed. <laughs> oh, shut up, Sadiq. Yes. But to keep in mind, if you actually play with the numbers there, you'll find out that their plan will do zero. <laughs> so you will still get the 700k net. Yeah. But know. no, London is finished by nothing happening. Um, we have Bella over here, who's apparently someone significant in the Conservative Party. You may remember her being quite upset that there are so many Palestine supporters in London. She hasn't figured out why. But she's very upset as well, as you can see here. Quite possibly one of the most damaging and economically illiterate policy announcements no, no, in the Conservative this, this was the woman who was like, oh my God, look at all these Hamas supporters marching through London. And like 100,000 of them marched in London after they massacred a bunch of Israelis. And she was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Yes, well, I've, she wants I've, more of them. I've chosen not to follow this account. I'm, I'm not. Well, I don't follow her either, but I just remember seeing her posting that. She's a good example for the like London conservative types, just the global nomads who do have somewhere else to go once they're done with this place. Yeah, and she yeah. probably will be. And this moves on because um, there's a lady who's. Hey, so it's just sorry. Damaging an economically illiterate policy. Where's the growth? Where's the growth? Point Where's the growth? Two million new fucking immigrants in the last two years. Where's the growth? Where is the growth? You are not correct on economics. You do not know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know you don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. It's just really annoying me. Can't find the growth, lads. It's, it's just not about. Yeah. Just, just where is it? It's just like it would literally be, it would, it would be an industrial job to get more immigrants in. Like I imagine the, the, air, the airlines just like, look, we're running at capacity. But I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's perfectly measurable because in the 1980s, there was a 2% increase in um, the adult working population per year. Mm -hmm. And you could see it feed through into the increased GDP figures. Yeah. So if you have native-born Brits and an increase of them, it does lead to a corresponding increase in GDP. Yes. But you can, you can basically use the same measures on the uh, immigration that we've had since 1997, and it does not lead no. to an increase. In, it's perfectly measurable. Yeah. don't know why she's allowed to talk, but anyway. I love how it's such a civilizational thing as well. Like just your point there about the, the sheer amount of work it takes to move that amount of people. The only historical comparisons I can think of is basically sort of World War II era, like the outflowing of Kaliningrad and then inflowing of Russians. Well, there are, there are loads of examples. But just the absolute numbers we're dealing yeah. with really is the kind of situation of redrawing national borders. Well, you know, the, that's just the norm. The, the Goths who stormed the Western Roman Empire, they reckon there were about 600,000. Brought down the entire Western Roman Empire. That's one year's worth. No, that's not one year's worth. That's uh, six that's, months worth. Yeah, that's that not, is. That's six months worth of those people. Just but, so you know. But you, to remind ourselves, slightly to, off topic. But do you know why the teenagers who dress in black borrowed the name? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me. No, no. It, uh, tell <laughs> you us in the no comments. If you know. Yeah, but you have no idea. But the uh, as I laid out, basically nothing will happen if the economics are going to play out as they have for the last few months, which is the inflation rate is so high that this actually means zero. But this didn't stop a lot of people being very personally attacked for some reason. And this following one, as I was mentioning, is a lady that blew up, but she's deleted this thread now because of um, the amount of responses she got. Laura here. <laughs> now, Laura has decided to tell us that she has two master's degrees from top British universities, including one that won a prestigious award I've lived here for years. You have to go back. <laughs> my visa is up in two years, and I won't qualify under these rules. I'm sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> whoa, wait, 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 wait. She's got two master's degrees and doesn't earn 38 grand a year. 
Nope. What? <laughs> so what the hell are the two degrees in? Like yeah, exactly. medieval midwifery and nutrition pottery or something? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> what is she doing with it? Like? I, I did have a look through. I couldn't physically find what she had done with her life. <laughs> because what I could find from her threads... <laughs> Is that she mostly just goes on holiday? She like if you yeah, actually, she definitely has to get uh, back, man. She she's like recently been to Cyprus to hang out, and then to Italy, and then to France, and then to Greece. And she, this is like over months of me scrolling through her timeline. I'm like she spent less time in like? England than Richard the Lionheart. Like, yeah, what is she complaining about? Hates okay. the British as much. She just would rather be anywhere else. But no, we're evil for saying she can't <laughs> come here. Right. Anyway, Yankee, go home is the correct response to her. I think. The responses are just a laugh because, as you can see, she limited her account. Yeah, but yeah. everyone is just like, <laughs> <laughs> and this was her bio, by the way. All by day, activism by night, all from abroad. Yeah, good, good on you, Maximus. That's actually her bio. Oh, she she literally yeah. just talks about migrant rights, yeah. getting people in, past lives, a million flags. Oh my god! Because of course, the global cosmopolitan. Like, I'm not allowed to live in Britain anymore. You don't live here anyway. Piss off. And um, but she got like a million uh, views on this thread before yeah. she decided to hide it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, time to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not very useful. If you don't have a good dog pile, don't you? I mean, this good, is... good, pack your bags. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love the idea, though, that this, this just really exploded the lie that is university in general, which we, we, we take our female population, lie to them that, trust me, it's good for you to be in university studying nothing for no money at the end of the tunnel, and then they go and do it, and then they're Pikachu face surprised. That I, this didn't work out. So I want to be. Just, I want to be very clear that I am not being sexist, but we are definitely overeducating women. Not only that, well, like, miseducating. Them. The, the, there yeah, is no education involved. Like think mm. think back to the previous segment with the Pakistani mother of eight who was getting a hundred k. Like, <laughs> where is Laura here? Can't yeah, even get thirty eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just saying, who's really winning at life? Pakistani right? mum's just like, yeah, get lost. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I've got eight kids. <laughs> Suck it, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's taxes are paying for her kids. I mean, uh, you, need, you need five Laura's to fund one Mizzy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not Mizzy, it's Mizzy's mum. <laughs> I just, it's brilliant just, how this place works. Oh, God, this country is such a joke. Because <laughs> when you actually sit down and take a look at this stuff, you know, and it really is just comical how badly run this, this island is. And she's not the only one that was very, very upset. Um, this other she, her, as she describes herself, was very upset. My job as a research fellow at one of the world's best universities, a requirement of which is a doctorate, pays less than this. <laughs> and so, on this definition, I am an unskilled worker. I agree. And I wouldn't be allowed into the country. This system is utterly ridiculous. Very based. No, no. The system that is utterly ridiculous is where you are so unskilled, we can't really pay you anything. So we just sit you in the university somewhere doing bollocks. So Dan, I'm I'm not an economist, right? But I always perceived the amount you earn as a representative figure of the value you contribute to society. Yeah. Right? So if you contribute a great deal of value, you earn lots of money, and that's monetary general, value. Yeah, monetary value. You know, so so yeah. if if you've got like a bunch of PhDs and master's degrees, and you can't even break thirty eight k, then what? actual value are you adding to the economy? Well, Carl, Carl, Carl. Yeah, exactly. She has a science and religion degree, a philosophy and religion degree, and a philosophy of time degree. A phil <laughs> Amazing. Philosophy of time. Yeah, I don't know. Amazing. I, I don't know. <laughs> she, her, in case you're wondering, 
Yeah, no wonder. No wonder. You you literally don't do anything. We so there was universe. a really interesting thing was where if you start adding in extra dimensions because of the squared law, uh, inverse square law, gravity drops off quicker and therefore time dilation takes place. But I, I bet it's not that. Because here's the real uh, thing when it comes to your salaries. It's actually not to do with how much you provide to society. That's only really true when you're dealing with businessmen who can provide something like Amazon, which saves so much time that when you scale it on a large basis, you suddenly become a billionaire. It's mental. What your job salary really corresponds to is to how difficult it is to get rid of you, how quickly could we replace you. <laughs> yeah. That's really what it means for most people. So I'm thinking of like, you know, the average plumber electrician earns like 80 or 90 grand a year. Yeah, because replacing him isn't easy. <clears throat> but also he contributes that amount of value to society. Like people right. demand his service. And, and I'm filming right. a brokenomics later on Hoflation. We might change the title because that's possibly insensitive. But what that's one of, that's one of the <laughs> data points reality. I looked at is like women want a man who earns more yeah. But if he earns considerably more by being a plumber or something, and they've got a master's degree, they're like, no. They don't like it. They, 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 they don't go for that at this, all. This is why Emily over here thinks she's better than everyone else in the respect yeah. of, I've got degrees. Because she can't even get into the country. But she is utterly replaceable because you have a philosophy of time degree. I could replace you with literally a McDonald's worker. <laughs> and we would have more money at the end of it. More wealth would be made. More, more time would not be wasted. Anyway, I mean, we are going to miss out on her lectures, though, such more, as this one. More service to society as well. This is her at the University of Edinburgh. <clears throat> giving a lecture on exploring freedom and identity in Everton in quantum mechanics. Now, I did a physics degree. I don't know what that means. I, love I don't idea. know how there is identity in quantum mechanics. I love the idea that there are many worlds, this theory, that there are other worlds than there are ours, and somehow we've got a moral responsibility to them. <laughs> it's like, no, but they might be fictional. But I'm sorry, to, to get to the nub of it, like we have a, someone who has a philosophy of time degree telling us about quantum mechanics. Replaceable. Replaceable with a clock. Literally just a clock would serve more purpose than, than your work, from what I can see of it. And this is not a, a unique circumstance that we've now seen two academic women. We have more of them. This person here, a Colombian. Wow, the ruling UK party just decided it wants to self-sabotage its academic sector. Yes, because it needs, it needs breaking. There is so much fat that needs cutting and so much waste of time that just needs tearing apart in the academic sector. That Yes, yes indeed. If, if we have people who literally have a philosophy of time degree getting paid anything, yeah, I'd like to sabotage that. I'd like to stop doing any of that, please, if we could. And um, talking of this academic here, you want to guess? Had a lot of she-hers. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, this one, as you can see, um, trans flag homosexual. Flag. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, fantastic. Well, great. I mean, self-sabotage the academic sector then. Yeah, I mean, what will we do without them? Such as Health economist. You know, this health economist was on a Ukraine march with a trans flag and a... Colombian alien summer in the UK. Oh. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know what we'll do without them. We'll just have to live. <laughs> anyway, let's go to an NGO worker who has something to say. I feel physically sick. My right to live with my husband and my children's right to live with their dad is conjugant on me earning 38 grand. This yeah. is an increase of 20 grand overnight. Yeah. Mm, that's not even true. But let's assume like, that it is. Yeah. No, but her circumstances, that doesn't make any sense, love. Because if you had kids with a British person, one of you is British, they've got blood yeah. rights. Hmm. So in that conversation... Also, she, her just noticed. God. Um, but you yourself should be able to get a marriage visa or should have done already if you've had two kids. So I don't know. I'm sorry, you're either lying or you've just been incredibly I just don't lazy think they know how it works, even though they are literally a migrant's rights uh, charity worker. 
Well, they say policy and public affairs <clears throat> management are praxis projects. Oh, great. I love leftist terms in your job title. Mm. Thought to mind she, her. Okay. Should we take a look at praxis? Yeah, let's do it. Here we are. Migrants and refugees need your support this winter. Listen, I've, I've seen just too many TikToks of them throwing my money onto the floor of the hotel room to think that. Here at Praxis, we work with all people who have been migrated to the UK to live safely, free from positive. It's, they sound like free-range chickens. God, they do. I mean, I mean, really just, <laughs> <laughs> why do you write like this? <laughs> they live free on uh, free from poverty, discrimination, plenty of grass. Uh, they have no lack of compassion or respect given by the farmers. So, can I do a quick callback? Because while you while you were doing that bit, I. Ask ChatGPT what our philosophy of time degree was. All right. So I've got an answer now. Right. It, this involves questions about the existence of time. Is it a fundamental part of the universe or a social construct? I've had my time wasted again. Even ChatGPT is letting me down here. Like, I'm sorry, but like even the conversation of the philosophy of time, go away. I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely surprised you can't even break 38 grand there. Yeah, like unless because who's going to pay for that? Yeah, exactly. Like the only thing you could even there is no philosophy of time. There is just reality. I'm sorry, but just to go on a rant real quick. But the only thing that's interesting about time is when you go to the speed of light, and then then all kind of weird things happen. You know what happens up there? Not a single philosopher is there talking to us about the Lorenz formula. It's a bunch of physicists figuring yes. out whether or not you can actually time travel. The tower effect or something. Yeah. Like I, I just I, I, I just. Mm-hmm. Fuck off! <laughs> so, genuinely makes me angry to see people talking about physics term when they, they've got nothing to do with that realm. It's a bit, a bit of a you know STEM madness over here. Anyway, getting to the NHS again because we were talking earlier about how that that is the real victim of this new law, which is uh, oh yeah, yeah, the NHS, which is about twenty percent foreign worker in a country that's about twenty five percent foreign. So percent foreign worker. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if if it wasn't for all the foreigners in the NHS, the the NHS would collapse. Well, this is where the real like um, <clears throat> shot yourself in the face moment came out of the response to this. Because this lady tweeted about current NHS starting salaries: junior doctor thirty two k, nurse thirty eight, paramedic thirty eight, midwife thirty eight, and it goes on to make the point that basically that is true, which is that health workers in the UK are massively underpaid compared to any other part of the Anglosphere. That's yeah. it's why the British ones leave as soon as they can, and rightfully so, because you yeah. get paid well for your work. Yeah. But can you think of a reason why, since the 1990s, healthcare workers have had their wages massively suppressed? I'm guessing it's something to do with the fact that there's a limited amount of budget for the NHS that has to cover people who have not yet contributed to the budget of the NHS. Well, I'm more thinking if I need to hire a nurse and I've got 200,000 Nigerians. Uh, she will work for less. So that so we will that, literally just that and PFI but we're, and yeah. immigration. But, but where's we, the demand coming from? But I, this is what I mean in this specific instance, the shoot yourself in the foot aspect of this, where it's like, damn, if we lower immigration, we'll have to raise salaries. Yeah. That's- yes, truly terrible. <laughs> what was your point, lady? <laughs> just, speaking of which, though, um, if we enjoy these low salaries. If we think that's a better world, well, we do have some evidence the contrary came out recently. Um, I love this guy. Just the immigrants in the care. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Dementia sufferer at 91 died, becoming trapped in a stairlift when the foreign care staff couldn't understand the difference between the words breathing and bleeding. Yeah, I looked at this. This is because they literally couldn't speak English. So we could massively undercut British nurses and doctors. So we can hire someone from Bongo Land 
who can't speak English because they're slightly cheaper. Or we could just raise salaries. I, I don't think I'm dog. supposed to laugh at the meme from <laughs> on the side there. <laughs> I love good Rutger. Yeah. What's your emergency? Well, um, we find this man in the breathing. You found a man breathing. <laughs> I'm making you think in breathing very big. He's breathing. And this man not bleeding. All right. There we are. <laughs> Average conversation about your NHS workers. But just but, to end this off. But again, just the, the only the only reason the NHS is under these massive pressures is literally because of the fact that the Conservatives let a million new people in a year. Yeah. But to end it off, just a normal person, I think, yeah. comes to the conversation. Suella. Oh, yeah. Who recently uh, resigned because she was sick. Of no, me. she was fired. Yeah, she was fired, actually, for saying <laughs> that she, I don't know, didn't She support. was fired because she was saying things that the average British person supports. Well, such as um, this. An annual cap should be set on the yep. number of visas. Yep. This is something we've floated for a long time. I'm glad she said it. And it is something that needs to be said uh, every single day until it is implemented. And then afterwards made some kind of constitutional amendment, which we write a constitution and the first article and only article is the cap. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a 90% majority in Parliament to overturn it. But anyway, there we are, which is... Um, so I don't mean to hijack the end of your segment. But can we play what I think is the solution? This is uh, Dan's solution to the problem, yes. which is very it's, Dan. It's, Ali, it's actually Ali G's solution, but I like it as well. Can't just let them all in, cripple the economy. Ah, oh, yes, Ali. Let's think about this, right? What is the main thing we ain't got enough of in this country? Hospitals. No. Libraries? Behave. We ain't got enough fit women. And we've got too many mingers. No offence, Karen. So, why don't we just let in all the fit refugees and turn away all the rank ones? That way we solve both problems. We is nobbing two birds with one conny, innit? This is ludicrous. What do you think? I think we should keep it real. Fit. 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 Wait. Back to Slovenia. I mean, it would work. Perfectly it, reasonable government. It is in line with your feminist immigration policy, yeah? It would indeed. <laughs> but anyway, right. let's move on. Can I so, just say something real quick? Oh, God, then. Onto that, because just a funny story. I was in Poland, and uh, apparently this happened, which is that, of course, they got all the Ukrainian refugees, and running up to the election, there was a moment in which the Ukrainian girls were being uh, discriminated against by Polish girls who didn't like the Ukrainians were hotter. <laughs> so what happened is the Ukrainian girls in Polish started doing TikToks and got this trending in Poland, which is, I may be a refugee, but I'm still hotter than you. And then as a result, there was a shift in the polls in which 20-something Polish women massively started voting right wing. All of a sudden, <laughs> I was talking to my friend who works in Polish politics. He was like, man, we were trying to capitalize on it, but just no one did enough job. <laughs> so it will, it will get the feminists on board, right? That's right. A, some good Let's point. talk about total war on your own fans. Where does that get you? Bit of, bit of creative disassembly on this one. So um, if you've been monitoring gaming or been a gamer for long enough, you've noticed a bit of a trend. And this trend is how basically you get these really good studios that come along create these fantastic games, and then they get bought by corporate overlords and promptly run into the ground. There are many such examples. So I'm thinking of the first one that I was particularly aware of was a little studio called Bullfrog. Oh, yeah. Produced yeah. Um, Populous and Theme Park and... and Dungeon Syndicate. Keeper. Was that? 
Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, and Dungeon Keeper. Yes, yes. That's, I mean, they, they produce a lot of good stuff. Um, they were acquired by EA in 1995, and they were shut by 2001. Yeah. Um, another one would be uh, Maxis. Now, they're still going. They, they created SimCity, and, and they have got Sims, which is doing all right, but SimCity has just been driven into the ground. Yeah. And, and um, was it um, Paradox, is it? They, they've taken over that one, whoever, whoever it is that does Skylines. Uh, Westwood Studios, Command and oh, Conquer. Yeah. Westwood yep. used to be great. EA bought them, closed shortly afterwards. Another one that goes. Um, like member berries. Yeah, it is, it is. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to couple more before I get to the meat and bones. <laughs> Remember when video games were fun? <laughs> Ensemble Studios, Age of Empires. Yep. Bought by Microsoft. I remember. Shut yep. shortly after. Yes. <laughs> Lionhead Studios, which was black and white and yep. Fable. Both yep. of those are good. Um, yeah, they were bought by uh, Microsoft and, and closed shortly after. So, so we, we got some of this. Now, what I actually want to talk about is Creative Assembly which was founded by Tim Ansell in 1987, and they produced the Total War games. So I think we've got some footage to show you of Total War, warring. Let's let's play that in the background while I tell you about some of their games. So I'll, I'll whiz through these because uh, there's, some, there's some classics on here. Right. Uh, in 2000, they produced Shotgun, Total War, Shogun. Shogun, yeah. Sh yes, a Shotgun would be good, actually. Right. Medieval Total War in 2002. Right, let me tell you Is about that Medieval 2. Med no, oh, sorry, med med medieval one, sorry, in two thousand. Right, yeah. Medieval one in two thousand right. two. Yeah. Now, like that game, right? Now, I discovered this game shortly before I was about to go um, to to Edinburgh with an FHM cover model, literally an FHM cover in oh, South, really? South Africa. But I was going to go and spend two weeks of that, and I was seriously considering blowing it off because I just discovered Medieval Total War and I was so enraptured by this game. Yeah. Right, a couple of years later, Rome Total War. Mm -hmm. And then in 2005, Sega buys yeah. Creative Assemblies. Right, and, then, and you still got some good ones after that. Medieval 2, Empire, Napoleon, Shogun 2, Rome 2. I, I, I never quite got into Rome. Well, it all goes downhill after Rome 2. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes you're right, actually. Medieval 2 was... Oh, Medieval 2 was amazing. I think... Uh, uh, after that, they did. They did Alien Isolation, so they did weirdly. Do, I mean, it's not a first-person shooter, but it's like a, a, a horror type yeah. thing. So, so weirdly, they broke out and did that. So, I don't quite get that. But um, Warhammer, I actually quite like Warhammer. It was it was an interesting departure, right? Three Kingdoms, which was their best game. So that's had uh, almost two hundred thousand concurrent um, people playing on it. I, I think that one sort of pandered a bit more to the Chinese market. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, how many of them are from the People's Republic? Yeah, and then and then I had to skip a whole load because they were um, were just like stupid like bolt on things sold as yeah. their own game. Uh, but Troy kind of was a flop, and then Pharaoh, which was a massive a massive flop. flop. Yeah, the only person I've ever found who likes Pharaoh is Josh in our yeah. office because basically the whole purpose of the game is to is to wait for immigrants to turn up and then slaughter them. <laughs> the Sea People, yeah, as they know in history. Yes. So, um, but. Anyway, so so fair. So all right, so Free Kingdoms uh, peaked at, at two hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam, and Pharaoh is now down to five thousand. That's the that's the most number of people it's ever had playing at once. Yeah, five thousand. And it doesn't have that on an average day. Yes, yes, it's it's not good. Um, now apparently, Sega came down from on high and basically wanted. Um, there was this game apparently called Fortnite that did really well. Yeah, and Sega decided we want one of those as well. So we're going to get our real time strategy people. To, to make a first-person shooter. <laughs> yes. So they dumped 100 million in something called Hyenas. Now, let's go to the next link because we've got... Um, uh, uh, there we go. Let's, yep. 
Right, now go down a bit, and there's a there's a trailer thing. Let's let's play that with no sound so you can get so they, they didn't finish the game, they basically scrapped it after um after the beta. People saw it was like no kill this immediately. Hyenas. Um hyenas. Yes. Right. Now you you you'll notice from this trailer that it's ticking all the corporate boxes. Oh, that's very diverse, isn't it? Well, yeah. so it's got lots of diversity. We've stolen the um, You'll see in a moment it's got lots of alphabet people. Yeah. Um it's got um oh what else? Oh yeah, it's it's got a, a hot girl boss basically leading this special forces team because obviously all special forces team need a a twenty something model to yeah you know lead from the front. Um and and you'll notice it does actually have some white men right who, okay. whose entire purpose is to get shot right yeah. because they're the guards and, and stuff like in like in Austin Powers and stuff. Anyway, so they dumped a hundred million on this. Um, and then when people actually got to this beta test it, this was hundred million. Yes, well, I've I've heard mixed reports. So I think they allocated hundred million, and they spent at least seventy of it, or something like and that. I'll just be clear: the art style here is disgusting. Yes, That's it's crap. genuinely vile to look at. Yes, it looks it looks dirty, but but it, but I mean, it does tick all the corporate boxes, and it's got the diversity and stuff. So anyway, they spent a huge amount of money on that, and um, yeah, and and basically, as soon as players saw it, they were like, "No, kill this immediately." Yeah, and and they kind of they 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 uh, they, they dropped that. So uh, you know, apparently, Sega had high hopes for the game. It was supposed to be a super FPS, um, but basically, they dropped it, and then they had to start canning staff. Yeah. So now, forty percent of the real time strategy team has been binned. Yeah. Which we, is we could have had <clears throat> World War One total war. Yes. Oh, let me let me press the, the next. Yeah. I know you don't like the more modern Total Wars, but I, I no, love I the mean, guns. I'm, I'm not going to be angry that they made it. I'll just be like, that's just not for me. I'll carry on playing Medieval. Yeah. Rome, yeah. I love the historical stuff as well. Yeah, it's fine. Though. But instead, we got hyenas. I just want them to make games that are good. Like, yeah. that's all I want. Like, I, <laughs> even if that, like, like, a lot of people like Napoleon, I didn't enjoy it that much. So it's just like, okay, fair enough. That's fine. You know, I'm not jealous about it or something. Mm. You know, I just want them to be decent. Well, so. I mean, that wasn't the only blunder that they made because they've been up. Because as you're alluding to, which I think I think you can get into the main part of our chat, is they kind of been dunking on the fans for a while. So basically, what 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 seems to have happened? And I read a whole load of stuff on this. Is it appeared they realised that the fan base for real time historical real time strategy capped out at something like five million users or something like that. Yeah, and they decided, well, if we can't grow it, we need to increase to the milk it. You yeah, well yes, milk yes. So we need to increase. It's not enough the, to just make money. We need to increase the revenue per user, while simultaneously lowering the spend per user. Yeah. So basically, more money for old rope. Was basically their strategy. Yeah, Creative Assembly have adopted just yes. the worst business model I can possibly imagine. Yes. This is why I really hate corporate people. Yeah. Because you're just to come at a place that's working, makes money, and makes a great piece of art every yeah. year. And yes. to come and be like, yeah, what if we made it so you're selling. Pepsi, essentially. You don't understand the space, is, is what I get out of people talking about. But, but, but it's, it's, it's not just that, because they could have made good, consistent money from this forever. Yeah. But instead, it's like, no, there has to be like a 12% growth every year. Yeah. And the only way they can get that in the short term is by cannibalizing the long term value. Yes. By That's pissing exactly what's happening. Yes. Like just burning up the goodwill that the fam the existing fan base has. Yeah. Because one of one of the problems with Creative Assembly, which is not unique to Creative Assembly, but really, really stands out in this particular space is DLC. Right. This is the constant here's 20 yeah. quid for like three extra factions or something in your game. It's like, listen, I can unlock them using mods. Why would I pay for this? But also, like for the, the Warhammer Total War one, they they release like 12 DLCs 
for it. And it's just like, look, I, you know, this is just ridiculous. And yeah. it, it makes me think you are just cynically trying to rinse me. So I, I looked not at having so, it. So the Warhammer 3 game cost 50 quid. Yeah. And then to buy the whole game with all the DLC, it's like an extra £210. Jesus Christ. Yeah. The thing is, I'd, I'd, so... This comes from Paradox Games. Do you, do you guys play Paradox Games? Occasionally, yeah. So they're like, their model is that we release, say, Hearts of Iron 4. It's par- it's a real-time game about World War II where you play at a country level. And it's good. It works. It functions. And then we release a DLC every three months that costs 10, 15 yep. quid. And so the game is now like, I don't know, five years old, seven years old. There's a lot of DLCs. So if you were to buy it now, yeah, you'd be getting ripped off and spending 500 pounds. But if you play along with it, it's fine. Mm. But Total War doesn't do that. Total War is just like, here's a whole bunch of stuff that we cut from the game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the key distinction. So I didn't, I didn't mind the DLC in, in the Warhammer 1 because it was like each DLC was like a proper extension to the game. Mm. And it was fine. It's like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to pay that. But it's, it's exactly like you say. Increasingly, what happens, it's, it's the same with The Sims as well. Basically, the, the, the core game gets trimmed down to such a bare bones and then you basically do have to buy the extra things because otherwise the game's not particularly functional. And I'm going to give you an example. So the, the, the latest DLC that came out was, was it Shadow something bloody... Oh, here we go. Shadows of Change. right? And it was 20 quid. So it was priced the same as a race pack, but it basically just had a couple of characters in it, a couple yeah. of boards. Yeah. Um, and it has overwhelmingly negative reviews on Steam. I mean, <laughs> I, I never, I've never seen overwhelmingly negative on Steam. You, you have to be going some get overwhelmingly you, you have to really have aroused the ire of the fan yes. base but the thing is like creative assembly what they're doing is they're trying to repackage essentially like uh they they had um these sagas titles which were like mini versions of the total war games that were never very popular so it's like okay if they're not very popular why are you doing them but it's because a they can just i mean literally <clears throat> this is the thing with pharaoh like troy was a sort of like a mini side title where it's like okay and, and yeah. I played Troy it was okay I didn't hate it there were loads of DLCs for it that I didn't buy for it of course because why would I but then it's like okay we're just going to repackage that as Pharaoh and this we're going to package this as a major Total War release and yet but it's an add-on it's essentially just a reskin of Troy which is just a kind of add-on side thing and so what they're actually doing is just producing less and less and less and the price is still going up and wondering why people are annoyed because the actual gameplay itself isn't terrible but the game itself actually still fairly functional. It works. Like, it's enjoyable enough. I know these are low What a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah. like, man, you really got to check out this game company. They're functional games. <laughs> it's, 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 semi- but it's not actually functional, though, is it? Because okay. when I asked you about this before, you were just telling me about all the bugs and the, the clipping. Well, and that, the... that was Rome 2 in particular. But right. You right. never would have said this when you were playing Rome Total War. You never would have been like, well, it's functional. No, I would have no, been no, like... That's awesome. You, you can manage <laughs> a whole Roman Empire. But the, yeah, well, exactly, that's the point, right? What in, what they've done is kind of got addicted to this sort of like fast hit of cash injection from producing every few months a, a crappy little DLC or a small side yeah. title rather than actually being like, right, okay, we are going to just make the entire thing new and this is going to get us millions of sales. That's what they're thinking. You don't mind the DLC if, if it was like a genuinely thought through a real addition to it. But sure. it, it just feels like it's just like, okay, two months has elapsed, it's time for something, and we've thrown this out. Yeah. You can now buy blood. I mean, that's one of the DLCs. Yeah. In which they it? add blood to when the guys stab each other. It's like, oh. you clearly cut that out and now charging me three quid. Right. 
Anyway, so the fans noticed that this was going on and they weren't particularly happy about it. So they started grumbling on the forums about it. Now, um, Creative Assembly's response to this has been... Well, that, that, was, that was quite good. They came out with a blog post and it ended with the infinite line, infamous line, yeah. uh, the right to discuss is a privilege, not an entitlement you earn by playing the game. That's really interesting as well. It, <clears throat> no, no, that, that ties into their attitude towards fans complaining about the amount of money things are costing as well. Because the director of that just came out and said, yes, yeah, how much it costs, deal with it. It's like, right. So that's Creative Assembly's opinion. You don't get to talk about it and just pay up, chump. Yes. How Ooh. many, I don't know if you have looked into this, but how many of the original people who made things like Rome Total War are still there? Oh, I'm coming They must that. be gone. So I, I, I don't have absolute numbers, but there has been a lot of staff turnover more recently. I mean, obviously, when they let go 40% of the workforce after spunking it all off in that hyenas thing the alphabet people yeah they lost a lot then but a lot of other people have been going as well anyway so so then people started review bombing all of their games and one of the reviews that was quite common was people saying basically something along the line and i'm paraphrasing here because everybody had their own way of saying it yeah but they would they would repeat the right to discuss is a privilege not an entitlement you earn by playing the game people would be coming back with something like uh, the right to a positive review is a privilege is not an entitlement <laughs> by, by making the game, which is quite good Right. Love that. So how very did, good, how did creative assemblies respond to um, getting arsy with people who were criti- criticizing them? Well, I, mean, I assume they just banned them. Yes. They, they turned from Warhammer to Banhammer. Yes. And they just started banning people all over the place. And Games Workshop is terrible for this as well. So like yes. they're in bed with another company. It's like, yeah, F the fans, actually. Yes. Yeah. But, but, but it's a real problem here because, because they were so heavy with the Banhammer they were banning people who made really popular mod series. <laughs> and that meant that they could no longer post updates. So, it, so next time there's a patch, yeah. the mod doesn't work. And so no update can be released. So they were basically just wiping out mods all over the place and just destroying but, the, the... Yeah. So I, I've, I've, I know a bit about this because I follow a bunch of like Creative Assembly Total War YouTubers. And basically, Creative Assembly have this kind of partner program. Oh, yes. They deal with YouTubers who are going to give them nothing but glowing praise and as soon as that person and that they'll they'll bring them to like you know release events and stuff like that they'll wind them and dine them but as soon as that reviewer that youtuber says something even slightly negative that's it they're out right and so yeah. you are not allowed to be vaguely critical it literally like north korean levels of unfettered praise or else that's so it's, it. it's not a partner program it's a sycophant program yes and these people get like an early release so they you know on, on day one they've got their video of it out so they've got they get the hits and stuff like that on YouTube, but that means that they're essentially doing free marketing for Creative Assembly, uh, and if they are even vaguely, slightly critical, that's it, that's gone. And so that's just like wow, that's a really abusive yes. method of running like it's your, also your outreach. Competent, well, it's yeah. totally competent, but it's, it's a really abusive way of having outreach to the fan community. Sure, but even if you're a cynical bastard who only cares about money, sure. that's the worst thing you can actually do. Like if you want to be successful in professional life, you have to be able to deal with criticism. Yes. Because yes. that's how progress is made. Yes. Like Paradox has a similar thing, but they do let the people who they sponsor talk about how uh, bad some of their games are because they right, are okay. bad and need fixing. Right. Yeah. So, Well, Creative Assembly are not like that. And, and the thing is, the, the sort of online Total War commentary community has very much become aware of this. And then you get people in Creative Assembly who start leaking to these YouTubers and so I've watched a bunch of videos saying, well, I spoke to this guy in Creative Assembly. And basically, like, 
the the DLC team began at like four people to create DLCs, and they blew to like eighty people. So it's like the yep. home office, basically. <laughs> yep. You'll so see you go brr. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. And so they're, they're trapped on this treadmill with a huge number of staff creating content that nobody really wants, and they're they're unable to sort of walk that back, and they're burning up all of the future goodwill for the next Total War game. And so when they, they say, hey, we've got a big Total War, look at this, Pharaoh Total War, everyone's like, we don't care, we're not interested. Well I, well, I can put stats around that because yeah. this, this is, you know, the, the number of players. Yeah. And so, so Warhammer's up there. So these are Steam. So you can see how many people are actually playing at the moment and, mm-hmm. you know, should 30 be day average. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. People should be at work. But yeah. So, so Warhammer 3 is holding up. Three Kingdoms holding up. Rome Total. Uh, no, Rome 2 is on there. Medieval. I mean, that's an old game and that's, that's still... Yeah, Medieval 2 is like 15 yeah. years old and it's yeah. still, still got more than Shogun and Total War 2. Uh, I mean, Sh- Shogun's to. doing well, but, but look at the more recent games. I mean, uh, Attila, yeah. Napoleon, uh, Pharaoh. Look, at there are only 315 people at the moment playing <laughs> Pharaoh. There are twice as many playing the original Total War, not even remastered. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like just the original Total War. <laughs> So they, they've literally burned up any goodwill. I didn't even know Britannia existed. So one person playing Kingdom. Yeah. If, if that's you, comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, how do you take such a massive and successful <coughs> franchise and screw it up? Well, you do what Creative Assembly has done. Yes. So that's what you, you, you make it for. Well, actually, I mean, I, I, I do have some, some, some further depth on that. Just, so, just a quick thing as well. Yes. It's like Creative Assembly basically had the entire market of real-time tactical strategy games. Yes. Yeah, what's like, that competition? Exactly. What's, like, like, I just want to line up ro- rows of men and engage in an ancient or medieval battle. Like, and there's only one franchise yes. that does this for some reason. I don't know why no one else has just made... Oh, oh for me, it was the ability to invade France. So I don't play a game France. unless it has the ability to play to invade France because that's always been an ambition of mine. But, but the thing I love about the Total War games is that literally you can construct your army, you, you hire the units, and then you have them on a battle, you fight someone else, yes. and you have to use tactics in order to defeat them. That's the fun of it, right? Okay. Why no one else has made a game that does this, I don't know. You know, yeah. Why is it literally just crazy? I, I, I reckon there's some mid-level executive at Paradox who's got his business case ready to go and he keeps taking it to the board and they're like, well, just wait a little bit longer for these guys to shoot themselves in the face entirely <laughs> and then and then we're gonna and then we move in. What's well, the reason I choose creative assembly games over paradox games? Because paradox games there's basically no tactics. It's battles thing. Exactly. It's yeah. battles. You know, and so that's the only reason. Which is not like paradox games are bad or anything. It's don't do the things that creative assembly wants to. Yeah. Well, I've got some further details on how it went really wrong. So first of all, DLC, and you mentioned this, um, their, 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 their DLC team went from four people to 80. So it's obviously, it's like, it is now a primary focus yes. of the business, just to churn out. So you're, you're not getting DLC based on, um, you know, what, what's good and what was necessary. Um, technical debt, that came up a lot. So this is so this is basically referring to the to the Warscape engine that they've had running since two thousand and seven, which they did uh, I think Empire on, and then every game after that forks off the previous game, yeah. and then basically what happens is whenever they run into a problem, they kind of bodge it in the moment. They never fold it back into the original engine of engine of the game. Yeah. So you basically just got these problems that are that are scaling up, persistent. Yes. Yeah. And it's just become. I mean, it's just becoming more and more uh, of a of a of a rickety scaffolding, basically getting to this point. Yeah. Um, another one. Um, lack of documentation. 
which might sound a bit boring, but but when you've got high turnover yes. stuff and you've got insanely complicated games like the Total War games, and you go right, good luck figuring out how this works. Yeah, yes, quite. So I mean, I, I don't claim to be any sort of great expert on on making video games, but I have in my VC career bought and sold video games companies, and the first thing that I've always insisted on when I, whenever I bought something is get your documentation in order yeah. because that way you can't be held to ransom by any one employee or, yeah. or something happens. You can basically churn. And, and it's particularly an issue here because they're firing people, their good people are leaving because of all of this yeah. and then new people are coming in and working incredibly inefficiently for months until they figure out all the weird workarounds that this, yeah. this company requires. Uh, bad tools. So because they're using this sort of in-house engine and everything's been bodged together, um, they don't have any sort of decent tools. So, th- so they've been using, basically, they've been creating their tools in XML and then integrating it on a, on a piece of software, an internal software called Dave. Um, so basically, error checking is horrendous, yeah. leading to, even if, even if faults are found, quite often that it's very finicky how you flag them. So these errors basically turn silent and then the first you discover about them is when they come up on the Steam forums. Imagine if they'd used that 70 million to just overhaul all of this and produce a really big, impressive Total War game. Yeah, or, or, or get their engine fixed. Yeah, and then just to rehaul everything. You know, yes. Completely redo Complete rehaul. Um, so, I mean, there, there was one guy who was a, sort of a bit of a whistleblower for them, and he said he, he changed companies. He, and, and he found that error checking went from a two-hour process to a two-minute process when he moved companies, Yeah, which is not good. Um, apparently they've got little to no QA, so quality assurance basically just isn't happening. So bugs aren't being found. That's the player base. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yes. literally it. That's literally their philosophy. <laughs> yes. That the players fix it. Um, and leadership. Apparently the leadership are just burying their heads in the sand. Oh, really? Because it's too really? difficult to... Well, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty mammoth task, but literally what they should do is... And I don't even think this is necessarily Sega pressuring them either. Actually, it seems to be from like I watched a bunch of videos about the leaks and stuff yeah. like that. It seems to all be all internal and all in their own heads. And basically, what they need to do is be like, right, okay, we're just brand new game, Rome three, right? Brand new engine, like you use like uh, Unreal five or whatever. It yes, is, right. So you got the, the latest graphics yes. engine. Create a new and, and you've got so many engine. new staff. It doesn't matter that you're changing engine. It, exactly. No, yeah. it, and, but it's all it's all going to be new. You know, you've got to figure all this out. Create a new engine. Create new tools in the back end that you could release to the modern community afterwards. So they can make you know continue to make your games good after you've worked with the audience, so you can keep them and yep. them, and just start a total afresh. And you could create a brilliant total war game that would actually save your company. Yes, if you want to take. I, I do sort of blame uh, Saga because I think what what's happening is yeah. they. Sega, yeah, uh, because they, yeah, oh, the holiday company for the other isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, it does when it's a word so, I'm used to. So I, I do, I, I do sort of blame Sega because I think what what they've done is they've basically penciled in that they want so much hundreds of millions from this every quarter or whatever it is, um, and if they don't get it, when they're they're saying to the people who manage creative assemblies, you know, you're going to get the boot if you don't deliver us this quarterly growth, mm. and so it has to go short term. Um, revenue maximization and destroying the long-term value in the process. Yeah. That's what they're doing. So what, what Sega need to do is they need to write down their expectation by at least half, if not 100%, and do what you said. Bring in, bring in a, a, the Unreal Engine. Yeah. Just, just use that instead. Just whichever new yeah. one is fancy. At the and produce a new epic historical title, and whether it's Medieval 2 or, or, or the World Wars. Right? Well, they, I mean, they've got loads of options. They just don't, yes. Like, Pharaoh should have been just Bronze Age Total War. Right? That could have been epic. Yes. Like, big you know, expansive Mac, but also what, what they need to do. And I don't know why they don't do this is create like unique mechanics for each faction, right? 
Yeah. I realize yeah. that's going to be a little bit of a pain. Yeah. That's where the game becomes replayable. Exactly. That's why it's that's why it's interesting. Like literally like the crusade mechanic from Medieval 2. Like that was actually yeah. fun. Or the Romans not working like the Egyptians because yeah. why would they? Mm. And it means when I play the Egyptians, I'm not instantly bored. Yeah, exactly. I don't like feel you. like I'm playing an inferior version of the Romans. And 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 you could you could make it if it was epic and new and breaking boundaries in terms of the engine and stuff like that. You could have say Medieval 3 and you could say, okay, well, on release, it's just going to be Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a year later, we release Africa, here's the Middle East. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And if it was World Wars, you could say, okay, yeah. we're going to start with Europe, and then we're going to include Russia, and then we're going to include North Africa, and then we're going to include the Pacific, yeah. and maybe even South America right at the end of the war. It's that one little village in Argentina or whatever it is. If you wanted to be really spicy, you could do an add-on pack for the formation of Israel just after the war. <laughs> 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 That would be such a good game. <laughs> I'd play the hell out of that. There'd be a huge amount of content produced. Israel Total War. <laughs> I mean, that would be so good. But that should be a part of Bronze Age Total War as well. Because it's literally when Israel is first formed. Oh, no, I'm thinking... I oh, don't mind. All right. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're thinking. Like, <laughs> pro- probably don't. Anyway. But, but this is fixable. But I think what's going to happen is is Sega are going to stick to their guns and they're going to drive this one utterly into the ground. And I'm sad because I quite like these games. Oh, I love these games. It's heartbreaking this happened. The reason I know so much about this is because I love these games. But they're never going to do any of the things they actually need to do to fix it. Yes. And so, I mean, like, it, even, it doesn't even have to be a faction by faction unique mechanic. It just has to be a culture by culture unique mechanic. So any Gallic culture could do X, you know, any Germanic culture could do Y, any yeah. North African culture, you know, just something different. Give me a repel. And, and just a bit of passion it? for the game rather yeah. than how we're going to increase by yeah. 12% this quarter. Yeah, exactly. That's just not, you, you, you the reason you got to where you are yeah. is by making a good game. Worry about that. And there are five or six million people <laughs> who love you. Game yes. company? Yeah. You remember? Yeah. Uh, right. Should we, do, should we do a bit of video comments? Where's Michelle? The Irish Freedom Party, they partition, they partition hate messaging. That's how they operate. Messaging along the lines of gender and transgender and immigration. These are the issues they campaign on. Now, you can say they're a political party and they have a right to represent and they have a right to speak and they have whatever. They do not have any elected mandate in this country and they have no right and they will have less of a right if they believe they have a right. They will have less of a right when we sign up to this because any form of rallying people or inciting hatred in that regard. I have no idea what's about. The Irishman speaks in Parliament, utterly incoherent. But is, <laughs> this must be the, the speech banning stuff. I presume, so. yeah. I presume there's there's some guys who want to actually save Ireland and the Irish government yeah. Yeah. dead. They're campaigning on culture war issues. Great. I'll vote for them. Yeah. Mm. The next one. I found a Washington Post article that I think would be the perfect segment. In the world of sexual fetishes, crossing the political aisle is a kink. <laughs> <laughs> Does a forced vote for the right, other side get your yeah, pulse racing? There's a dominatrix for that. Yeah, you've sold me. Uh, we'll, we'll get that done. Yeah. This is those stupid, oh, God. stupid, sexy MAGA supporters. Look at the, the image. Oh my God. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> They've got yeah. The, the donkey and the elephant in leather. Okay, someone had to make that. Go to the next uh, video comment. Okay, slop or not. 
This is my homemade beef short rib stew. Beef short ribs, onions, carrots, potatoes, all cooked together in a broth for about four hours. That looks great. Yeah. I, I do stuff like that, yeah. I don't think that's slop. No. Um, because no. there's too much crunch. No, that's a stew. But, yeah. but also the purpose isn't to conceal the flavor. That's the thing about slop. Yeah. It's to conceal the low quality of the ingredients. I mean, that looks great. I love how you leave whole carrots on there. I never thought about doing that, but that's... Mm. I quite like that, actually. I always chop them up, but I'm going to do that. It's very rustic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, what I love is roast carrots. Oh, yes. Ro roast carrots put, like, olive oil um, and salt on them. They're so good. Yeah, I kind of mix them in with the potatoes, like, on an almost 50-50 okay. basis, actually. And they, they get, like, crispy. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Life is good with carrots. Mm. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. If someone's triggered by white people just existing, it makes it rather easy to resist them. To fight against them, all one has to do is simply exist. Since progressives have a tendency to ignore reality, eventually the consequences of it will catch up to them and they'll collapse under the weight of their own absurdity. I feel it's a bit weird to make, like, obviously coherent political points that are true, but at the same time, I'm looking at the robot waifu tracking your face. I don't know, man. I feel like it is, it is yes. weird. There's an element of unnervingness around that. I don't know what to say to that. Anyway, um, we'll get we'll the red comments as well. So that, I guess. Dylan says, uh, remember to download the I'm a Celebrity app and vote for Nigel Farage. I have the app. I will be voting for Farage. Um, I'm not doing that. It's free. And he should win. That's true. Uh, Henry says, December is the one month of the year I consistently know the dates. That's only because I have an advent calendar. Otherwise, I rely on my phone or watch. Good point. We don't have an advent calendar. Um, we don't. That wasn't a good point. No, that's a great point. I know the date. I have an advent calendar. I don't have an advent calendar. I need, I need to know the date. I like the date. <laughs> the Real Bigfoot says, regarding immigration, I find it very hard not to be blackpilled about the future. Uh, what do you see as an actual path out of this? Oh, um, total collapse. I mean, at some <laughs> point, yeah. at some point, like, no one in the world will want to come to Britain. And all of the foreigners will just leave because they've literally looted everything we have. So uh, yeah. at that point, at least... Uh, but also all of your be best taxpayers will want to leave and work remotely from yeah. bloody Romania or something. Yeah. yeah. So it's, at you some got, point, they won't want to come. You've got three elections, maybe. You can turn it around peacefully. Otherwise, I think, yeah, Yugoslavia. Yeah. Quite possibly, yeah. The worst French ever says, uh, the Home Secretary said that immigration policy must be fair, legal, and sustainable. That means they only want to limit immigration that does not benefit the country economically. They do not care about your traditions or culture. That's totally true. Uh, that being said, I think the podcast will benefit very much from a deep dive into the mechanisms of large legal immigration, who pushes for it and who benefits instead of just looking at the symptoms. Uh, maybe, uh, but that takes a lot of time. Well, the, the Indian one, we can literally just point to, yeah, we can tell meets Modi, all of a sudden any Indian can come to the UK. Rishi Sunak the same as well. Yeah. Goes over to India. Hello, fellow Indian. I'd like more Indians in Britain. I would like more Indians out of India, says Modi. <laughs> yeah. He, he did actually do a tweet series in which it was the British Prime Minister meeting the British public and for some reason they chose a whole bunch of Indian families. And Weird. the whole thing just looked totally <laughs> just so off. Weird, that, isn't it? Spat on my water. Uh, Ethel Sand says the short-sightedness of constantly importing people from the GDP line or to fill university places train foreign nationals at the expense of domestic workers continues to increase my disillusionment with democracy and political thinking of the five-year election cycles 
Charles was not such a traitor to the British people as he continuously demonstrates with WEF allegiance and supporting the Greeks over the Elgin marbles. I'd probably support the monarchy at this point. Yeah, well, you've got nowhere to turn, have you? You either get traitors there or traitors there. Where are you going? Uh, Sophie says, but Carl, have you considered if they don't allow this to happen, the Sun might write mean things about them? Oh, it won't be the Sun that writes mean things about them. Uh, it'll be the Guardian that writes mean things about them, and that's uh, apparently a fate worse than death. Mm. Um, Matt says... It's not kind of funny, though. You've got a year left in government. You literally are definitely going to lose. Yes. How much fun would you have? Oh, I'd go mental. Yeah. Just, I mean, I would liquidate almost everything. It's like home office, fuera. Yeah. <laughs> Benefit system, fuera. NHS, fuera. No, instead you coup the government and do zero. Yeah, exactly. We're just so dumbfounded by it. We that. need to sit and course peacefully to this absolute disaster uh, for some reason. Uh, Matt says, quite frankly, as an Irish person, I don't see any way for the English to get out of the mess, this mess this time. Uh, the entire elite is all in on mass immigration. There's no significant counter elite. The right wing alternative party is still trapped in the liberal paradigm and fighting an uphill battle against the first past the post. Discussion etiquette still pro prohibits noticing qualities and forces the debate to revolve purely around quantity. Uh, at least in Ireland, the political class feel as if they're on the back foot. Um, that's, that's not entirely true. Um, they are genuflecting in the direction of anti-immigration. It's just they've increased the problem so much and normalized the 200... And 50,000 people in a year, that, that becomes the sensible option. They're rebasing it. Yeah. yeah, it's recalibrated it. Um, so, yeah. Kevin says, all discussions around the 12-month prison sentence rule for immigrants are the lefty judges. Uh, the lefty judges are using uh, the suspended sentence route to avoid making migrants liable for deportation. Uh, what is needed is for all migrant crimes to be dealt with by a magistrate's court, but still get them dealt with by military courts. Okay, I don't think we yeah. get that far. Yeah, the migrant court, we've set it up. But I just think that any migrant who commits a crime is convicted of a crime to deport. Well, I was hearing, I think it was Bo saying that the reform's policy is to just set up a new department to actually manage borders and migration. Yeah. Like, they're going to have their own court system, I don't mind. Yeah. But, but also just commit a crime. Yeah. But that's, that's how it that's is in most of the rest yeah. of the world. If you go to most of the rest of the world and you commit a crime, they just throw you out immediately. Yeah, exactly. Which is totally sensible. Yeah. Aaron von Warhawk says, new quotas for massive amounts of foreigners and new laws make it easier for them to come in. I'm guessing every young girl in Rotherham is sweating with fear right now. Yeah, no doubt. Yep. Uh, Kevin says, bring all the UK universities under one governing body and make Elon the chairman. He'd cut the fat out of academia. And that's true, he would. He, he'd probably enjoy the opportunity too. Mm. Uh, ben says, stop the free money for migrants. Yeah, I agree. If only, <laughs> yep. we, if only we could. Should we put that on a bus? We're going to argue yeah. on that one. Yeah, yeah, put it on a bus. No legal aid for non-nationals. Agree. Got the civil service departments to enable us. Agree. No more cash injected into the asylum lawyer's legal freeze gravy train. No, no. It, it should go even worse. Repeal the law that they use to fund their entire careers. Just make sure that doesn't exist. Mm. Cut out the entire class of lefty lawyers. They all cease to exist. No legal aid ever if you represent a non-citizen. Well, it's not even that. Just... That, like, the laws the non-citizens are appealing to to stay in this country, repeal. Yeah. Fuera. Like, gone. Well, even if you do privately pay for some reason, for some, you know, lefty lawyer, hmm. I want that lefty lawyer to then be joint liable for any crimes that immigrant commits. No, that no, point no, 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 no. I don't want there to be the opportunity to, yeah. for there to be lefty lawyers because George Soros could fund them all and we've still got the same problem. Like, why, are they, why is there a law that allows foreigners to appeal to our laws to stay here forever? Like, no. That needs to stop. It's just end of story. Um, 
Omar says, nothing about immigration is more infuriating than seeing external examples of just how easy it is, uh, how easy it would be to correct the problem if there was the merest sliver of political will to do so. Maybe we should invite Xi Jinping to come and visit and watch the problem disappear overnight. That's, yep. but that's another thing as well. Like there, there are there, like there are there are immigrants in this country who came before 1997, who I have personally spoken to who are furious with the way things are being done. They make up about I think it's 17 percent of yeah. the foreign population. Yeah, and they, they can stay. They can stay because they were like, no, I had to work really hard to get here. I really want you to deport that guy because he was from my old village and he's a total slacker. He needs to go. You're going to say slag. <laughs> he might be a slag too. His wife, no. yeah, yeah. But they need, they need to get out, you know. As in, so, but people who like thought well of this country and actually wanted to come here and work. Yeah, the tier boost. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. The tier boost can stay, you know. Um, JJHW says, between 1975 and 1996, net migration averaged just 7,000 per year. That's the goal. The dream. No, sincerely. Like you no, look, I know. And then something look happened. at the golden age of Britain post World War II. Yeah, it's emigration. And it's it's not this. Can I do some comments from mine in the last couple of minutes? Yeah, go on. Let me see. Uh, um, Pericles. Really says, says, General Milchard, aren't you? Yeah. Can I read some comments? And they just make yeah. guttural noises. <laughs> Pericles says, Dan has never been so relatable. Well, good. Um, Jolly good. Um, blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, Genie Kariri says, if you want a real-time strategy uh, hybrid game outside the Total War franchise, check out Ultimate General American Revolution. Not interested. It's got guns and Americans. Yeah. I mean, it, I like and it. it is American history, so it'd be over really quickly, wouldn't it? Yeah. So m- maybe, maybe. Right. Uh, what else? Oh, guys with swords and shields. Right. So here's an opinion. Have, right. Have you played Fall of the Samurai or not? Try it and then come back about the guns thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I don't want guns. I'm just saying try it. I'm just saying try it. Ewan Baker says, loved Medieval 1 and Rome 1, but everything after was awful. Medieval 2 is great. I, I never. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you in on this. I kind of like Empire, but I just don't remember it. The ones I remember is Medieval 1 and Rome 1. Well, me- medieval 2 is great. And Rome 2, right, was the worst thing... The Ro- Rome 2 is probably worse than Hiroshima on release, right? The bombing. I yeah, I prefer having another Hiroshima. Um, but a decade after, and with all of the modders and patches fixing it, lying. it's about a 6 out of 10. He's lying to you. Well, that's no, no, not, not really like, I still hate it. it. No, it's not a really good it. Well, you haven't played it. Like I have. Well, because I keep falling for this meme in the office. No, I. You or Josh come to me. And I like, play oh, it quite fine. regularly. Yeah, and I re-download it. And I spend a load of time waiting for it to download, and then get into playing it. I'm just like, can we get the? Oh, this D- is crap. Di mod. So yeah. I, I did get. It's not crap. I, I did get good. Rome One remastered, but it's just too old at this. Yeah, point. I didn't enjoy it. Just yeah. get the Rome One One. So not with remastered. Yeah, but the original screen. screen is, no, like, sincerely, like that uh, screen is ridiculously large. If I if I put like some seven twenty thing on, on <laughs> it's just gonna. It would just be, it'd be like pop. hands that you got, yeah, a dozen <laughs> pixels. Don't play on a 5K OLED monitor like that. Right, uh, let, let's. Oh, right, okay. North FC, let's finish on this one. Has there actually been a good game in the last five years? Yes. So, tell you games I like. I did like Subnautica. That was good. Right, and oh, Frostpunk. I like that. I'm desperately hoping that Frostpunk 2 is not bad. Right, and apart from that, my default now is basically these tiny little indie games that last for like five or six hours and then they're done. But then they're... So I played one called Dredge, which was about fishing. 
which was actually quite good, and like some other like really little games. But but I, I have never seen in the last twenty five years gaming as bad as it has been over the last three. It's really a trend. I think the industry has properly died at this point. Uh, the the only thing I'm enjoying at the moment is older older games. I am enjoying Rome too. So shut up, Callum. Um, there there are a couple of things. Ark Survival Evolved was pretty good. Like that, an arc yeah. two is coming out next year that my son's really looking forward to. So that and that yeah. hopefully will be good. It's hard to tell though because we've seen like no gameplay. Um, but okay, maybe. But Ark Survival Evolved was pretty good. Um, I, I'm enjoying the BattleTech games a lot. The mech, I haven't the, seen those. So the Mech Warrior basically is giant battle mechs, uh. so like seventy ton walking tanks. But yes. the the thing is that they the the BattleTech rule system because it was a tabletop rule system yeah. that has been really faithfully recreated in the games, and so actually it sticks really 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 tightly to the this very well constructed balance system. Right. And so like you've got weight, heat, and damage that you have to concern yourself and ammunition. Right. That you have to concern yourself from, and each mech has got like a certain cap tonnage, so you've got to work out okay well. Am I going to accept that I'll overheat and that'll damage my mech and you know, reduce my performance in battle, but I get extra damage for a temporary amount of time and stuff like this. And okay. it, it sticks really tightly to this really... So good- to quote Sargon of Akkad from mm-hmm. ooh, six minutes ago, I don't like games with guns in them. No, no, it's fine. Get, no, no, game. I didn't say that. I don't. I don't uh, like. He's talking about the historical. The historical total. Uh, okay. Games, right. right like, I, don't I don't want like r- ranks of guys with guns. This is bored, uh, bored me. But right. If you're running around a big battle, mate, that's fine. Callum, name anyway. a good game in the last five years and then sign us off. So if you appreciated that episode <laughs> of the podcast, the Lotus Eaters, I'm going to check out the website. Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye. 